welcome to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and today it's the week in review for the week of 12-12-2019. This week, I go over Raw and AEW Dynamite, my dumb self last week. At the end of that episode, said I was going to go over NWA Power, but last week was the finale, season finale of NWA Power, the one before their pay-per-view Into the Fire, which is this Saturday. I won't be covering that, unfortunately. Won't be able to. But I will be covering the Sunday pay-per-view, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, coming up on Sunday night. The card looks like this right now. Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin, King Corbin, in a TLC match. The New Day versus The Revival for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Bray Wyatt versus The Miz in a singles match, not for the Universal Championship. And it might not be The Fiend. I don't think it's The Fiend. I think it's just the uh, Firefly Funhouse, Bray Wyatt. Also, Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. That should be good. The Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. A tables, ladders, and chairs match for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Also, Rusev versus Bobby Lashley with Lana in a tables match. And then Eric, the, it was announced on WWE Backstage that the Viking Raiders have issued yet another open challenge for their Raw Tag Team Championship. Should be a decent show. Not sure. There hasn't been a whole lot. Of, there's been some build-up to these matches. Some of them had a pretty good build-up. The Bray Wyatt Miz one, Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy. The Corbin and Reigns one, not so much. And the Revival and New Day, just, they should have a good tag team match. No they could have a good tag team match pretty much in their sleep, I'll say that. And I think the Kabuki War the Kabuki the Kabuki Warriors and Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, they should be able to steal the show. That's why I'm gonna think. I'm thinking they're gonna be able to steal the show here on Sunday. Let's kick this off. The final raw before TLC. We start out with uh the divorce of Lana and Rusev. They signed the divorce papers. Uh, Rusev, and this honestly in this segment was doing the best he could with the material he was given. And honestly, I can't stand Lana hearing like hearing her, Lana's voice. And it, some of its stuff is just so dumb. And uh, but at least it's a Lana making me can't stand her on television. I'm no acting expert, though, uh, but I feel like Lana's acting isn't all that great. I don't know, or is it? It's what, what, what WWE wants her to do. Then Rusev asks for a match with Lashley. He actually has a Donald Duck shirt on, which is absolutely hilarious. He asks for a match with Lashley. Rusev puts Lashley through a table, which will probably mean Lashley will win on Sunday night. I sure hope not. Because most of the time in this feud, Rusev has looked like a complete dork. 
But that, the way WWE booking work, works, if they do 50-50, Bobby Lashley's winning on Sunday. Kevin Owens then talks with Charlie about the reason he was attacked by AOP. He said because Seth Rollins told him to, which, which later in the night we find out it was Seth Rollins. And then Seth Rollins, when they were in the ring or whatever, Seth heads to the back because it was the right thing to do. Then we get Matt Hardy versus Drew McIntyre. It's going to bring up something here in a moment. Drew McIntyre wins in a squash. And this is the kind of the start of Matt Hardy leaving WWE, really. Because uh, they brought him back and now he's being booked like a jobber completely. And then Matt Hardy has a final, like a few months left on his contract. And he is, from what he's posting, some cryptic tweets. And it seems like he will be gone after the next few months because he said this quote, I quote, I needed to return to WWE to finish the right way. I did not want 2010 to be my finale. I returned in the most epic way and repaid my debt. I waved the WWE flag with pride and worked hard to be a model employee. My conscience is clear, and I am at peace. But yeah, they've brought him back and done kind of nothing with him, and they're just having him job out to Drew McIntyre, and that's what they kind of did with Dean Ambrose when he was getting ready to leave uh, WWE. But Matt Hardy's been totally underutilized. He's in the best shape he's been since he's been on the uh, been in the comp- back in the company. He looks really good right now. And they, on one term, they did not capitalize on the broken univor- universe at all. Like they didn't bro- capitalize very well on it because there was so much other stuff. There was it was just. They just could have done so much better with the Broken Universe, period. It was just not used to its fullest potential. And Matt Hardy, they, they didn't let Matt Hardy become as unhinged as he could have been and in, as wacky as it could have been. It's not what he, what made it so great in Impact Wrestling. He was not able to do that in WWE because he was kind of handcuffed by WWE Creative. Maybe if he goes somewhere else, he'll be able to do that. And then after that, Charlotte wants some help with the Kabuki Warriors. But Becky, she wants to take them two-on-one because she has that final debt to be paid uh, because she lost Asuka at the Royal Rumble last year for the SmackDown Women's Championship. The KO is in the back. He's looking for AOP. Actually, yeah, he's at the back looking for AOP. Ask Mojo. Mojo, he's really being a smart ass. And then Kevin slaps him and tells him, Oh, you just went that way as he was falling as he fell down. Thought that was pretty funny. And then we get the Street Profits versus Viking Raiders for the Tag Team Championships. Viking Raiders issuing an open challenge, an impromptu open challenge. We get the Street Profits, which is nice. 
I, I really liked that. It was a different team. It was not a jobber team. But really what we did with this match was just not 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 good enough for me. Because honestly, you gave them five minutes. This didn't even go this didn't even get a commercial break during the match. It literally was a five minute sprint. It was a good five minute sprint, but you didn't really give the Street Profits an opportunity to really showcase. You didn't really give an opportunity for both teams to showcase. You just gave them a short five-minute match. And honestly, I don't think that that fist bump at the end didn't work with me because it wasn't like it was a super hard-fought match. It was still Viking Raiders, for the most part, dominated. The Street Profits got a little glimmer of hope at the beginning, but I just didn't like the way this was dealt with. And then after the match, after the fist bump between the two teams, Rollins comes out and says he's got something to take care of and says both excuse me, both teams can stay if they want to. And then he says he wants to fight AOP right now. KO comes out with a pipe in hand. KO asks, where are they? And then AOP arrive. Seth heads to the back. AOP comes on screen. KO is out. KO's there too with um KO's with Seth or whatever. And then AOP says nothing in English. And then Kevin says, Oh, all good points. As they were and when they were no English. And then Sami Zayn shows up with Mojo Raleigh and says he's got a managerial license for Raw. Says what he did to Mojo was way out of line. Wants him to admit he's wrong. Mojo says he did absolutely nothing wrong, which was a is a bunch of crap. And then Mojo says everyone's tough with the steel pipe in their hand. And then Kevin Owens goes on to throw the pipe to Mojo, hit him with the stunner, beats him down with the pipe. This was entertaining, at least. I enjoyed this. KO hitting a stunner on somebody and then hitting him with the pipe. And it was kind of it's kind of he's kind of a almost like a tweener really, but it's not really he's not really a tween. He's a fan, he's a big fan favorite. He's like a stone cold like character for WWE right now, kind of a rebel. But he's very over with the fans. I love what KO's doing right now. It's getting him over big as a face. Even though he's some of his actions aren't really face kind of things, but still, he's really over as a face. And then next we got Alistair Black versus Akira Tozawa. And uh, this was, I thought this was a necessary dominant win for Alistair Black against a talented guy like Tozawa. Tozawa's been used more as a kind of enhancement talent since he's been back, as he's had some good matches, but. He loses every single one of them. Then we get a Charlie interviewing Humberto. Zelina interrupts, and Andrade Humberto argue in Spanish, and then we just get a random match thrown together, which I thought that was absolutely, positively, lazily booked. The way they did, lazily thrown together, I mean. Just, oh, okay, you just have a backstage segment, and then all of a sudden with Andrade and Humberto, who have absolutely no story together, just 
Oh, we're going to have a match. I thought it was good. At least it was going to be a good match. Then we get Andrade versus Humberto, which they had a fairly good, pretty good match. There was one part where Carrillo hit an absolutely ugly Aztec press on Carrillo, but Carrillo then wins after avoiding Andrade's attack, which ends up knocking Vega off the apron. And then the victory roll gets the win for uh, Humberto. And this seemed kind of fluky to me. And it seems like they're all in with Humberto right now, which he has not really fully clicked with the fans, really. He's getting there, but he's not really yet. And then what this does, Andrade, this is his first loss since he got on Raw. He's made up to be this some this big deal on Monday Night Raw, and he takes to a loss to a guy like Humberto who has barely won anything on Raw. And because he just lost to a guy, like I said, who's got one like one main roster win... makes him kind of look like a dork. But at least it was in a way that looked like a fluke and maybe Andrade gets his win back next week or next time next time they meet or whatever. And then we get next we got Mysterio talking about his upcoming match with Styles. Then after that, we go back to KO backstage asking if someone had seen AOP says they saw them at their van. Next match, we get Zack Ryder versus Buddy Murphy. This was a squash, as this is kind of building up to Buddy Murphy and giving Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black dominant wins before they head into TLC for their match. And then after that, KO goes to the AOP van, beats beats up the van, and then gets jumped by AOP, gets the van door thrown at his head. And KO was grabbing some seat as he was trying to get into the van, and then that turned out afterward to be Seth Rollins. And then Seth comes out of the van, hits a stomp on KO on the concrete. KO would later have to be put on a gurney and sent to the sent to the hospital. But AOP and Seth Rollins working together. It's kinda it's kinda interesting. Some people throwing together, it's like, oh, why don't we just put Seth Rollins in a vest? This could be another version of the Shield. But no, then Seth comes out and cuts to cut a promo. It was a really, really good promo. Asking the fans, what do you want from me? Fans, we, he's like, we used to get along. And then somewhere stuff went wrong with him and the fans. And he said he did everything right. And then the truth isn't good enough for them. He did everything and said he got disrespected and spit on by fans, and all that played into his decision to work with AOP because he didn't said he wasn't involved with AOP until tonight. And then after that, loaded, Owens got loaded into the ambulance. But this was a really good pro. It was a really good promo from Seth Rollins, his best promo in a very, very, very long time. And that it's now he's fully embracing this heel character, and I think it's gonna work. After that, we got Becky Lynch versus the Kabuki Warriors. Asuka hit Becky with a chair for the DQ at the end of this match. I thought it was a good match. And then the 
table. They got a table out after the ring, after outside of the ring after the match. Asuka puts Becky on it, and then Kyrie Sane hits an awesome, insane elbow through the Lynch and the table. The one thing I didn't like about this was Lynch recovered like immediately. She didn't really sell the table spot. Uh, it was post match. I just noticed that it seemed like she was up like really, really quickly after a table spot, and I'm like, uh, I would have sold that. I would have thought that had been a little more uh, emphasized to sell that elbow, but oh well. And this will set up the likely TLC match between the Kubuki Warriors and Lynch and Charlotte. Then we go backstage with OC saying they're going to get all their gold back. Says if Orton sticks his nose in their business, they will end his career as Styles and Mysterio would face off for the U.S. title later in the night. And then Becky and Charlotte are in the training room. Becky, Charlotte says nice match, walks away, then gets beat down by the Kabuki Warriors afterwards. And then we get Eric Rowan versus Jobmaster 3000, as I'd like to name him. And the guy grabs the cage or whatever, runs and runs to the top of the ramp. Smart strategy, I'll say. Rowan's almost gets counted out. Rowan Claw slams the guy three times, and the match is stopped. And then he gives a fourth one for good measure. Still pointless. This Eric Rowan thing in the cage thing he's doing is not really interesting. And I don't think really a whole lot of people care. And then we all know, once we get introduced to this thing in the cage, it's going to be super-duper underwhelming. Up next, we got the Kabuki Warriors getting interviewed backstage by Charlie, speaking Japanese, and Charlie says, Oh, I need to learn a few, few learn more languages. Charlie's like all over the place these last couple of weeks. But they uh, challenge Becky and Charlotte to challenge them for the SmackDown, not the SmackDown, the Raw, the not the Raw, but the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. And then Becky and Charlotte backstage in the locker room accepts their challenge and says, let's up the ante, tables, ladders, and chairs. This could, and I honestly think should, steal the show at TLC on Sunday. And then after that, we got the SNL parody the Monday after weekend update with the Street Profits, they cover stuff like King Corbin and the dog food angle they did last week with Roman Reigns. Also, they cover the Rusev and Lana divorce angle. It was pretty funny, I thought. Then we got Styles versus Rey Mysterio for the U.S. Championship. I thought... They had a pretty good match. It's a pretty good match uh, to end the show. Rey Mysterio retains his United States Championship. Orton got involved late in the match, winking at Rey Mysterio, winking at AJ Styles. He thought he was going to give him an RKO, but he doesn't. But Rey Mysterio wins and retains the U.S. Championship. Keeps the feud going with Orton and keeps the issues going between Orton and. Styles, I thought this was good. And then the show overall, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't really great. We got squash matches again, but they were they, they made sense, except the McIntyre-Hardy one. I, I don't know what they're doing with Drew McIntyre right now. 
Still, I yet I've yet to figure out what they're doing with. They teased it with him and Orton having him and Orton having a feud, but that kind of disappeared since last week. The Rusev Lana thing, it was okay, nothing great. But the match, the Mysterio and Orton, Mysterio and Styles match was good. The Eric Rowan versus Jobmaster 3000, I could care less. But Becky Lynch and Kabuki Wars, it was pretty good. Yeah, we it was kind of a a mixture of good and not so good on this show. It was okay. And then we get AEW Dynamite. First, we get John Moxley versus some dude. Flying knee paradigm shift ends it in like 10 seconds. But they're making they're building Moxley as this guy that can end things just in a f- snap of a finger. And it's sort of like Ronda Rousey's armbar, but it's John Moxley's paradigm shift. And the way they book these squash matches, I thought I think they're smart as Moxley just runs in, gets a knee, gets a big move and then gets his other big move to get the win. I don't know. These are I th- these are effective squash matches, but now Moxley next week, I I better see him face somebody legit. Then we get inner circle surrounding the ring post match. Jericho enters the ring with Moxley, and then Jericho cuts a promo talking how impressive that Moxley's been, talking about their history, talking about how Jericho taught him to be a champion and how he called how Moxley called him talking about how he taught how Jericho taught Moxley to be a champion and how he called him and then navigated him Moxley to AEW and then Jericho asks him to be in inner circle hands him a t-shirt gives him time to give an answer and tells him to give an answer when he's ready to take his time but it should be interesting this is an interesting little development because Mox Jericho did navigate Moxley to AEW, and it's, it's teasing a little bit of something. I I don't think Moxley's gonna do it because he's a rebel. He's a he's his own wolf. He's like a one man wolf pack, as I'd like to use uh, the Hangover. Yeah, one man wolf pack. I think it's gonna be Mox. Moxley's gonna tease it, but then he's just gonna hit Jericho with a paradigm shift within the next few weeks. But I thought it was a. Interesting little development in the story between Jericho and Moxley. Should be fun to see the result of that. Then we get a video package talking about the street fight Excalibur, talking about some of the crazy stuff he's seen the Bucks do back when they were in PWG. And then he says, Santana and Ortiz don't know what they're in for, but it should be good. Next, we get the Butcher and the Blade versus QT Marshall and Cody. It was MJF's hand-picked partner for Cody this week, and it was the it was QT Marshall. He had a little pre-match video from MJF. I thought this was a fun tag team match. MJF's hired guns in the Butcher and the Blade get a win over Cody as they should have in their first match on AEW Dynamite. Honestly, QT Marshall had a really good opportunity to showcase what he has. I was not really all that familiar with his work, but he looked really good. Like, he looked really good last night. He did he did a great job. And then after the match, the after Butcher and Blade pinned QT Marshall, Darby comes down and extends his hand to Cody to help him up. 
And it seems like Cody, like we were talking like a few weeks ago, Cody has no allies, no friends. He might have found one in Darby Allen as they faced off, I think, at, was it Fighter Fest back earlier this year? And they went to a draw. I think it's a kind of a mutual respect thing between Darby Allen and Cody. So it might give Cody actually a friend as he tries to get to MJF and Wardlow. Following that was MJF bringing out a security guy that said he laughed at his version of a crossroads a couple of weeks ago. And then he said he could amend that by kissing the ring. He does that and gets a crossroads for it and then cuts a promo on Cody and his proposal for last week. Says he doesn't need his money. He says Cody needs to suffer. And when he thinks of fake, he thinks of Cody. Makes fun. Then he makes fun of his lisp, which go, which makes fans go absolutely berserk. That got him so much heat with the fans, as the fans absolutely love Cody. But yeah, the fans just absolutely destroyed him. This was a great promo by MJF. Definitely brought the heat, brought even more heat on him than he already had, as he was already on pretty much fire. And then, well, he says he wants Cody to fire him. Says he won't. He says he wants to get his hands on him. Ask if they want to see. Ask the fans if they want to see MJF versus Cody, and says it's on. But he says I have my own stipulations, and they're going to be announced in Jacksonville. And tells Cody. I'm in charge now. But it, I thought, yeah, overall this promo was really, really good. Building more heat on MJF. And it'll make the moment when M- Cody gets his hands on MJF even better as everyone wants to see MJF just get his butt straight up kicked. And there was this Alex who was a j- kind of been jobber-like guy. It's another Dark Order video promo, and he's, it's asking if Alex is tired of being a jobber. Interesting development as Dark Order continues to get these little videos. I enjoy them. Then we get Big Swole, and her, Big Swole as she signed her contract recently against Emmy Sakura. The match went about three or four minutes too long, I thought, in my opinion. I thought it was all right, but it just felt overly long. It was a little nice little showcase for Big Swole. And I liked how they incorporated comedy in the match at one point with Big Swole grabbing Emmy Sakura's mic and kind of doing a little dance. I thought that was fun. But I just thought it went a little too long, for, in my opinion. And then we go to Pac in the back. He gets asked what he wants from Kenny Omega. Says he came there for opportunity. And I've been, he's been putting in dominating performance after dominating performance. And... He wants his rubber match with Kenny Omega. After that, we got Kip Sabian and Sean Spears versus Hangman, Adam Page, and Kenny Omega. I don't really see this pairing of Kip Sabian and Sean Spears working. I just don't see it. But it was a decent tag match. The lights go out, and Janela has totally tied up in a chair. Then they fight to back. It's this continues the issues with Janela and Spears. I thought they almost disappeared a couple weeks ago, but yes, it's Janela and Spears still with their issues. 
They fight to the back. Sabian's on his own. V-trigger from Omega. Then Adam Page blind tags himself in. Hits a buckshot Larry to get the win. And I like during this match Excalibur addressing that Adam Page has left the Elite. So this is kind of continuing the issues between the guys as Kenny Omega got blind tagged in and got blind tagged out of the match. And Kenny Omega is still a part of the Elite, but... Adam Page kind of left on his own, like kind of left by on his own by his own choice, and it, it as he's been kind of struggling recently and stuff. It's kind of telling a story with him. I mean, maybe he gets back with the elite. Maybe he turns goes heel. Who knows what we're gonna get out of Hangman Adam Page? But it's an interesting development as he's let currently out of the elite. Then we get a Brandy video vignette talking about how Rio's been gone and Baker, and then talks about wanting Chris Statlander still. Kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> and then we get Jericho and Jake Hager coming out, and they kick out Excalibur and Shivani at the announce booth. So it's Hager, Jericho, and Jim Ross announcing the. We finally get a Luchasaurus match. It's Luchasaurus versus Sammy Guevara. And it was a decent match. It was a nice showcase for Luchasaurus. We get a Jurassic Express and Jericho and Hager brawling after the bell. Luchasaurus gets the win before that. And then we get the brawl between, like I said, Jurassic Express, Marco Stunt, and Jungle Boy against Hager. And Jericho also was involved with Luchasaurus like he was in that last match. Uh, Jungle Boy hit a Hurricane Rana on Jericho and then Stunt counts the three as Jericho and Jungle Boy will have a match next week on AEW Dynamite with a 10 minute time limit and then it's announced that February 29th AEW will have their next pay-per-view it is called Revolution and it is in Chicago. I just wish that this uh, pay-per-view... I wish they would kind of vary their pay-per-view spots at least a little bit more. Because, I don't know, it just... they Their show main pay-per-views have been in Vegas, Chicago, Baltimore, and then we're going back to Chicago again. I just think it's a little too early to go back to Chicago, but it's okay. It's actually downtown Chicago this time. It's during a kind of a video game, I think, event. Then we get the announcements of Baker versus Statlander next week, Jericho versus Jungle Boy with a 10-minute time limit. And then we get the main event, the Texas Street Fight, the Bucks versus Proud and Powerful, the winner getting a shot at SCU, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian next week for the Tag Team Championships. Bucks, before the match even really gets kicked off, get attacked by Santana, Ortiz, and Guevara as they're making their entrance. Guevara ends up getting taken down with an indie taker on the stage. Cutler tried to make a save earlier on in this brawl, but he got put through part of the stage. I thought this match overall was a fun brawl. The Bucks get the win after a Meltzer driver on a steel chair. 
but I just there was a couple of spots in here that kind of bothered me a little bit. It was the last two table spots as they just felt completely random and they just felt like they did a table spot for the sake of doing a table spot. Those those two last two table spots really did not feel impactful in my opinion. They just felt completely random. But other than that, it was a fun match. And the Bucks got the win after the Meltzer driver on a chair. But when we get SCU versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championships next week on Dynamite. Overall, I thought this was a pretty good show. We got Moxley being in a dominant win. We get the Butcher and Blade getting a win. And QT Marshall getting to showcase a little bit of himself. But a couple of matches that didn't really work were the Big Swole, Emmy Sakura, Kip Sabian, and Sean Spears Hangman. Actually, that was not bad. Never mind. That one was not bad. The, the Sabian Spears thing, Sabian Spears versus Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega, it was an all right match. It, it's pretty much, it was more about the issues between Adam Page and the Elite and Janela and Spears, as this Sabian Spears tag team really, I don't think, is going to work. But uh, we got to see Luchasaurus. That's a plus. That's a big plus. But yeah, we got some good matches, some decent, some fun matches with the Texas Street Fight, and then also with the, the uh, Butcher and Blade versus QT Marshall and Cody. And then we got a great promo from MJF that night. Really, really good stuff from MJF. And like I said, Luchasaurus got to showcase. And I thought this was not one of their best shows, but still, it was a pretty it was a pretty decent show. And that's why they're going to win the week for me this week. And then Raw will finish in second. I'll find out when... I'll have to look and find out when... It, NWA Power returns because I'd like to get back to my normal format here sometime in the very near future. So, but this week AEW takes the cake, beating Monday Night Raw. This weekend is the TLC pay per view that's taking place on Sunday. I should have my review up for that on Monday. So, be ready for that, and as always, make sure to follow me on the socials, Twitter and Facebook, at SigDaddyWrestle, and then if you haven't already, subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcast, and on Spotify. But until next time, this is SigDaddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.